the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. So the priests... They're worshiping the sun. They're bowing down and worshiping the sun. And they should be there serving the Lord, making offerings on that altar. Nothing good comes from when you turn your back on God to live according to your flesh. There's a spiritual battle going on every day between good and evil. And you have a choice that's completely yours to live for one or the other. Pastor Dan is going to show you today how important it is to remember God and His ways and to live for Him so you can stay under his protection and experience all the joy and blessings he has for you. You'll miss out on it all if you choose to not follow him with all you have. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Ezekiel 9, as we are going through the Old Testament, straight through the Old Testament. Well, last week in chapter 8, we left Ezekiel sitting in his home in Babylon uh, with the elders of Israel, and God gave Ezekiel a vision. And in the vision, uh, God, uh, either in the spirit or in the flesh, we don't really know, Uh, exactly how this was carried out, but Ezekiel was carried to Jerusalem in this vision, whether physically or just in the spirit, we don't know. And God showed Ezekiel the sin of the people in Jerusalem that was actually practiced in the temple. You remember that, how God just kind of walked Ezekiel through the temple, starting out at the gate to the temple and working his way in towards the inner court and just showing Ezekiel, the things that were happening there, the way that people were um, dishonoring God in his temple. And that is the reason why uh, God will judge the city of Jerusalem and destroy the temple because of the sin that was taking place and the idolatry that was taking place in the temple, defiling the temple. Uh, Remember, we've said before that there were false prophets in Babylon who were telling the people that God would never destroy his temple. God would never judge the city of Jerusalem uh, and that God would deliver them soon from Babylon. And so uh, God takes Ezekiel in this vision and presents the evidence, almost like a court case, where God presents his case for judging 
Jerusalem and for destroying the temple. So now we come to chapter 9 tonight, and in chapter 9, Ezekiel is still in this vision. Uh, It's a continuation of the vision from chapter 8. He's still in the temple in Jerusalem in this vision. And what we see in chapter 9, it's very interesting. We see what God is doing in the unseen world or in the spiritual realm in Jerusalem, how God is acting in the invisible realm uh, in Jerusalem, uh, which this reminds us that there is an unseen world. There is a spiritual realm that is working in the physical realm. It's working in this physical realm. There are forces of good and there are forces of evil in the unseen world. You know, there's God and his angels and there is Satan and his demons. And both sides are at work in the world even today. Uh, And that's a good reminder for us. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle, that we are in a battle, but it's not a battle against flesh and blood, Paul tells us. It's not a battle against other people. We're engaged in a spiritual battle. Our enemy is Satan and his demons. Uh, It's a spiritual battle that plays out in the physical world. The physical world is the battlefield, or at least one of the battlefields. He describes, listen to how he describes the spiritual enemies again in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Uh, He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. So there are rulers that rule the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. So there's spiritual armies of wickedness, armies of wickedness in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places. So when you read that, when you read verse 12, it it sounds as if he's describing some kind of hierarchy of power in the spiritual realm, in the unseen world, a hierarchy of authority. You know, you've got principalities and you've got powers and you've got rulers. You've got uh, hosts of wickedness, armies of wickedness. There seems to be some kind of hierarchy to it. There seems to be some kind of uh, authority and power, some kind of rank to it. I point this out because of everything that is going on in our world right now, and in our country especially. We need to remember that we're not really fighting against flesh and blood, that the battle is not really against other people. It's not really against them, whoever them is. We're fighting against Satan 
and his demons. That's the real enemy. And it's good to remember this because there's so much happening in our country right now in the spiritual realm. We see it playing out in the physical, but there's so much happening in the spiritual. There's so much spiritual warfare and demonic activity, things that are happening that are demonic in origin. You look at some of the things that are happening in our country right now, and Satan's fingerprints are all over them. Not everything. And some of the things that are happening are good, but there's a lot of things that are happening right now uh, that are spiritual. You know, Jesus said, Satan is a thief who desires to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his desire for the world. To steal, kill, and destroy. And I would say that's exactly what is happening in so much of our country right now. Uh, Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies, that he hates the truth, that he's the, the author of confusion, right? And there's so much misinformation right now. So many lies going around. So much confusion. I mean, it's just confusing, isn't it? I mean, you watch the news, and you watch one report, and then you watch something else, and you, you don't know what to believe. You don't know what's true, what's real. Satan is contrary to God. Satan is contrary to anything godly, anything that honors God. Satan opposes anything that God designs for mankind. You know, and... and uh, we don't have time to get into it tonight, but you, you look at some of the issues that we're facing in our nation right now and what God's word says about those things and what is happening or what has happened in our nation historically. So there's the spiritual realm. That's not to say that it's all Satan's fault. <laughs> there's a lot of flesh, too. There's a lot of man, a lot of carnality in the world as well, and in our country right now. It's vital for us to um, process the things that are happening through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of Scripture, and to understand things biblically, and to understand them from a God-centered point of view. Because so much of what we see happening in the world and in our nation is contrary to the Word of God. It's contrary to the Bible. And so we got to use the Bible as our grid that we're running everything through, processing it through, understanding it through the grid of Scripture. And what does the Word of God say about these things? What does the Word of God tell me to do as a follower of Jesus Christ, as his disciple, everything needs to uh, come down from the word of God and descend from the word of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting with the word of God as I look at the world. So, verse 1. <laughs> we, we're just now to verse 1. Uh, again, he, he's in this vision. He's in Jerusalem He's just walked through the temple and seen all of the idolatry 
Then he, and it's capital in your Bible, then God called out in my hearing with a loud voice saying, let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate towards the north, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side, and they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. So the Lord calls, and these six men appear, and these six men are believed to be angels, angelic beings. And notice we're told here that they have charge over the city of Jerusalem. They have charge over the city of Jerusalem, and they are each armed with a battle axe. I don't know of anywhere else in the Bible that talks about a battle axe. And, you know, these aren't, these aren't the chubby little angels you see in paintings. I mean, they've got battle axes. These are warriors. Now, the Bible doesn't really give us a whole lot of details about this, but Some angelic beings have been assigned to geographic locations. That's what we see here. These angelic beings have been given charge over the city of Jerusalem. Uh, This is true for angelic beings. This is true for demonic beings as well. If you're taking notes, a a few verses for you to jot down. Uh, Daniel chapter 10. There in Daniel chapter 10, it talks about um, demonic spirit that is assigned to Persia and another assigned to Greece. Uh, In Daniel chapter 12, Michael, the archangel, it talks about his responsibility over the nation of Israel. Uh, In Jude chapter 1, verse 9, it says that Michael, the archangel, contended with the devil. They were in a battle in the unseen world. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, Satan was connected to the king of Babylon. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. So those are some examples from the Old Testament. Let me give you an example from the New Testament that you're probably familiar with. It's from the Gospels. In Mark chapter 5, there is the story of the demon-possessed man and Gadara. You guys remember that story? Gadara was a region, an area, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And if you remember the story, the demons asked Jesus not to send them out of the region of Gadara. They wanted to stay in that geographic region. Uh, And so as we go through Scripture, it it seems that uh, some angelic 
beings are assigned certain geographic areas. Some uh, demonic beings are assigned geographic areas. Again, principalities, powers, rulers. Here we have six angels that were assigned to the city of Jerusalem. And in chapter 9 now, they are appointed to execute God's judgment on the city. That's why they've got the battle axes. And then we're told um, at the end of verse 2 that there was another man, a seventh man, uh, that came with the six angels. It says, one man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. So you have this seventh man. Uh, The seventh man, he has the equipment of a scribe. He's got a writer's inkhorn. Uh, That's what a scribe used. He's clothed with linen, which was the clothing of priests. It's what the priests wore when they served in the temple. So who was this guy? Well, we can't say for sure, but there are many scholars who believe this was Jesus Christ, uh, who, who came to preserve his faithful remnant in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, again, we, we can't say for certainty that it's Jesus Christ. If it is Jesus Christ, this is what is called a theophany or a Christophany, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Jesus appearing in the Old Testament before he's born as the baby in Bethlehem. Uh, So we have these six angels. We have this man. And it says that they go in, at the end of verse 2, they go in to the court of the priests and the temple. We know that because they're standing beside the bronze altar. So that's the inner court where only the priests could go and where the priests would do their service in the temple. The altar was there. That's where they would make the sacrifices just outside the holy place and the holy of holies, just outside the building of the temple. Now, this altar... As I said, this is where the priests were supposed to make their offerings. This is where there is supposed to be on that altar what was known as the continual burnt offering. They were to have an offering on there all the time, 24 hours a day. Uh, The burnt offering, they would put a fresh one on in the morning. That would burn all day. They'd put a new one on in the evening. And it was known as the continual burnt offering. And the burnt offering... Uh, was symbolic of the, the people, the nation, being fully consecrated to God. They're to be continually given to God, continually consecrated to God, just as we are. Uh, we are to be continually consecrated to God. Um, but the priests weren't doing that. The, the priests weren't there making offerings for sin or making the burnt offering on the altar. What, what were the priests doing instead? Well, if you look back in chapter 8... Verse 16, so he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house and there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. So the priests They're worshiping the sun. They're bowing down and worshiping the sun when they should be there serving the Lord, making offerings on that altar. And so apparently these angelic beings uh, were standing there by the altar as these 25 priests are bowed down worshiping the sun. They should be serving. (laughs) 
And, and there's angels there, and they don't even realize it. They're bowed down, worshiping the sun. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3 is an important verse. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub, where it had been, to the threshold of the temple. So you have the glory of God in the temple. The glory of God was the visible uh, representation of the presence of God in the temple. If you remember when Solomon built this temple, they dedicated it to the Lord. The glory of God filled the temple, uh, so much so that the priests couldn't even go into the building. Uh, And now what we see happening here is that the glory of God is heading toward the exit. Glory of God is starting to depart. The presence of God is leaving the temple. Why? The nation had turned its back on God. The nation had set God aside. They set his commands aside. And so God began to leave at this point. You know, in Second Chronicles chapter 15, it says... Listen to this. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. It's a pretty sobering verse. I like the first half of it. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. If you seek him, you will find him. That's nice. But if you abandon him... He will abandon you. Israel abandoned their God, and now their God is abandoning them. His glory is departing. His presence is departing from the temple. But his presence is departing very slowly. In fact, we'll see as we work our way through Ezekiel, his presence departs in stages. You know, he gets to the threshold of the holy place and he stops there. And his presence stays there for a period of time. God doesn't just charge out of the temple in a flash or in a huff. He doesn't leave the temple uh, in the middle of the night, like the Baltimore Colts, just leaving, you know, without telling anybody. It's a good thing the news was there to catch him. He's not like that. It's at a point now where he needs to leave, but he's leaving slowly. And this really shows God's heart. His heart is he wants to stay. He really wants to be with his people. He really wants to dwell with his people in their midst. And he's going slowly. He's leaving slowly. He's stopping so that they have yet another opportunity to repent of their sins and turn back to... It's like he's getting to the door and saying, I'm leaving. I'm at the door. I'm serious about this. You see where I am? And then he's going to go a little bit farther out. He's going to stop again. He's going to keep going and stop and go and stop. He doesn't want to leave. He wants to be there. He wants to be with his people. Listen, God desires to dwell with us. God desires to have fellowship with us. But at the same time, he's a holy God. And he can't be in fellowship with us if there's just ongoing sin in our lives, unrepentant sin in our lives. So he gives us time to repent. He asked me how I know. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and though he was faced with the difficult job of speaking hard truths, he also spoke of great hope. Even though the Israelites were constantly disobeying God, God was still faithful to them and offered a way of restoration. This is what Ezekiel so boldly proclaimed, and this is what God also offers to you. If you'd like to learn more about Ring of Truth, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You'll also find information about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. We have a heart for spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with, and all are welcome to come and worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday morning, we'd love for you to join us for a time of worship and Bible study. We'll study God's Word together and strengthen each other through prayer and fellowship. Come by and meet Pastor Dan and all of us here at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. For service times and location information, visit calvaryec.com or give us a call at 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join Pastor Dan as he shares more from the book of Ezekiel on the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft in them. Well, I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.